Hello, everyone. Another episode of Developer Advocate Stories, uh, where we talk with developer advocates from all around the world. And uh, with me today, Nick. How are you, Nick? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So uh, where do I reach you, Nick? You are in uh, Europe, the US. I am over in the greatest city in the world, New York City, over in New York, here in the US. <laughs> great. It's great. Uh, so thank you really for your time and win, uh, being with us. So uh, please, Nick, if you can introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah. So hi, my name is Nick Walsh. I am a senior developer advocate here at Amazon Web Services. And day to day, I do a bunch of different things. But I'd say that the one unifying sort of North Star there is that I try to improve the experience for developers And I do that in a lot of ways through educating developers, through passing product and service feedback internally to improve the product. And uh, lately, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about way, ways to distribute mechanisms and, and processes to improve the way that AWS interacts and delivers value for developers. So better ways to educate, better ways to produce content and how we can scale that out. Great. So before sharing the, those insights, if you can uh, give us a little background, you know, how do you start uh, your... your IT, your uh, technology career, and really what led you to, to being a developer advocate? Yeah, so <laughs> this is uh, probably something you've heard before, but the only consistent thing in developer advocacy is that everyone's, there is no consistent path in developer advocacy. It, it really feels like no two stories will feel quite identical, and, and mine is, is more of that. In that, you know, I, I started in uh, school studying biomedical engineering and applied mathematics. Um, and so uh, went sort of the big data route through that and, and did a lot of medical research and took up programming um, primarily from that route. And that sort of meandered my way into the dev tools space for AI and machine learning developers and then ultimately into here at AWS. But all on the way, I realized I didn't want to spend all of my time authoring code all day. I really enjoyed the the teaching aspect of it. And I don't know if that's just the academic thing. Sort of background there. Um, but I, I really I'm a bit restless, so I enjoy getting to build a little, teach a little, solve creative problems. And developer advocacy really is that perfect blend where all of these disparate sort of activities all bubble up to solving problems for an end customer, which is your user. Um, so you know, very different background, not necessarily computer science, but um, writing code nonetheless, and that's really brought me to AWS where there are developers of all different backgrounds, some of which, Looked like myself um, back when I was just starting out great and uh, and uh, it's really interesting that uh, like you said we spoke with uh, I don't know 30 people I think uh, until now and we uh, there is a few that are developers but we got people that even were a uh, uh, students or came like you from all other aspects and uh, and it's really great to see this this wall uh, that that uh, Almost anyone uh, that is a nice person want to be in connections <laughs> to, to developers, to share knowledge, to educate, can reach uh, uh, this kind of role. Uh, and uh, uh, one more question, Nick, is the, like you started, you said you, you uh, love to educate, to, to, to share knowledge. And uh, what really things that, that you are doing uh, in this time that it's a little, little difficult during the COVID How it changed what do you do you the insights that you have that can help us yeah definitely um, I think that sort of when we think about teaching and education and, and learning because even educators learn themselves um, there are just certain experiences that are more difficult in an online 
capacity, right? It's harder for someone to look over your shoulder in person and see the error message you're getting on your, um, you know, in your terminal, or, you know, you try to deploy something and there's a, you know, a, a failure case, right? Um, so sort of this like sharing context is a really hard problem online, but also just like, you know, sort of the the personal motivation, you get up, you may want to go to a class, you may want to go to an event and you learn. And at home, there's all sorts of different things that can capture your attention. And so while some people may look at this as, ah, oh, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is a challenge. The way I think of it as is, you know, you have a greater opportunity to access more people because they don't have to come out to an event in person. Um, now you just have to figure out a way to make that as engaging as possible and make sure that folks don't, don't fall off there. So um, I, I think my biggest piece of advice to other developer advocates right now is, is really put yourselves in the shoes of people that are on the other side of that screen trying to learn from you because that will enable you to solve the problems that they're facing that they may not have faced in an in-person event before. So things like, can you give people breaks to get up and, and roam around? Can they disengage or come back for a second day and if you break up your itinerary or your schedule? Um, I, I think, you know, it just really, every, this, this disparity of all these different experiences people have when they're learning from home is just far less of a controlled environment. So having that empathy when designing educational experiences, um, again, more hands-on is, is what I'm looking at right now, um, is really gonna be the way to deliver that as effectively as possible. It's uh, re really uh, great insights. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, today, with all the um, the, the this terror that we, we get from uh, uh, everywhere, so we try to focus uh, mainly on videos uh, and short ones, mm -hmm. and uh, and really, like you say, the hands-on to to be really uh, learn something with, with your hand is uh, always the the best thing. And yeah, yeah, it's it's a really uh, a difficult time and. Uh, and we need to find the best way to, to, to transfer the, the information, the education. So uh, a question that I, I asked, uh, I love to ask, and not all the time I get uh, the, the, the answer that we are looking for, but is really something that you are expected to do uh, being a developer advocate or, you know, like you can do whatever you want. So uh, if you can share from, uh, <laughs> from your own. Yeah, so, um, uh Probably one of my favorite personal stories uh, from AWS so far is that um, leading up to my time here as a developer advocate at AWS, I was a customer of AWS. And in many ways, I was already teaching folks AWS prior at, at collegiate hackathons. I was teaching, teaching folks S3 and EC2 and um, all of that. And so I was never able to attend AWS reInvent, the, the large annual conference each year where, where most of the very exciting news gets dropped. And so as someone that was always at home, but still interested in following along um, outside of Twitter, the primary way I was able to consume that news content was through something called AWS Launchpad, which is basically a live streamed news desk that has changed a little bit year over year, but it was led by the developer advocacy team, some of the people which I became great friends with over time. Um, and I think that, you know, all of the events in this past year have been online, but for prior years, reInvent was so predominantly in person that Launchpad was the way I got to consume that content and still feel like I was part of that event. So being able to join AWS and take on a significant role in helping to deliver Launchpad in years past was really exciting. And I think that at reInvent 2020 this past year, we were very well equipped to be able to deliver a live streamed experience um, because we had been doing it for so long. And so I'm excited that even as events go back to in-person or hybrid, 
to, to make sure that I'm ringing the bell to not forget the folks that won't be able to be there in person uh, and to continue to offer a really great experience for them. So being able to take that on once I joined felt really good for me, but I know that there's lots of people that were just like me that can't be there at the event. Um, so I'm excited to continue delivering that sort of experience to them. Yeah, it's really a great feedback. People are, are uh, without a lot of events in the Europe clouds and other uh, other uh, places that uh, we do. And they told me, okay, they're asking, okay, when it will be physical? And I said, for yeah. me, it will be not physical anymore. It will be a hybrid uh, event. It will be, yes, physical, but thinking yeah. about the people that cannot reach. Uh, another thing I would add is that, you know, traditionally reInvent's content has been primarily English focused and in, in you know, an America centric time zone. Um, but this year, you know, we've heard resounding feedback from folks all over the world that they would like content in a time that's not in the middle of the night for them and for local in localized languages. Many of these folks interact with developer advocates just like me from their local regions. And so this past year, we were able to deliver that with localized recaps through, I think, eight different languages and, and time zones throughout the middle of the night um, in, in America's time here. Um, so very happy about that and very happy to meet people but and developers where they are with the content that uh, suits their desires. So, so very excited and, and going to push very firmly to continue that sort of support going forward into reInvent 2021 and beyond. I don't want to give a good words or compliments to us, but we have a Spain clouds, Italy clouds, and and we are mm -hmm. we really uh, were thinking when we are building our communities is really thinking about uh, the localization when you learn something new uh, or you know or even that you speak very well the, the English sometimes in in your local uh, language it's better and it's easier to learn uh, new things. So I, I really agree with you. And maybe, uh, Nick, the last uh, question, you can uh, share something cool, sad, interesting, or just a tip to other developer advocates. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I would say that one tip I would give is, uh, and this is actually a tip that was given to me by one of my coworkers here at AWS, Adrian Hornsby. Uh, he works a lot with um, core infrastructure and chaos engineering, um, is that you know when you're in doubt about what content to make or what, what could be exciting, uh, it's really easy to get sort of caught up in, in what may look good internally or what you know is a short-term sort of goal. Um, but I think really at the end of the day, it's put your shoes in the put yourself in the shoes of the developer and do what is best for the developer. And over the long term, if you continuously make decisions with that thesis in mind, there may be roadblocks, there may be road bumps, but you will continuously improve and in the long term be successful um, and serve that developer audience. So think long term and uh, really, really always keep in your sights the developers that you're solving problems for. I think that it's a great tip. So thank you, Nick, about it. And also, Adrian, <laughs> when you give a good tip, it's it's good that it is running. So I, I believe that other people from other audience will share the, the, the same tips. So Nick, it was a pleasure having you with us. I hope that we, we had the time to meet in front again, in person to person, maybe in one reinvent on another event in another place. So uh, really, again, thank you for your time. It was uh, fun and great having you uh, with us. And until the next uh, one. Yes, thank you so much. Grazie mille, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Muchas gracias. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye-bye.